This is Megan. Uh, just really quick heads up. This is part two of our pet cemetery uh, talking in April Fool's Day. Uh, we also released a bonus episode. Uh, Stephanie and Chris got a chance to see Pet Cemetery the movie. So uh, go ahead and update your feed and you'll get a nice uh, bonus episode of about an hour where they chat about the movie and uh, enjoy it and enjoy the rest of this episode. Overtones of like heavy. something bad's going to happen. <laughs> yep. The best day ever is happening because in seven weeks it's going to be bad. I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a like, very nice day. Did you I get bored with your Rachel writing too? Were, but... <laughs> like, I really wanted um... to ask that. Be like, bored too? Is this the problem? Not that I was bored, but I was just like, this is not scary yet, guys. <laughs> like, I so. Overall, I was not scared of this book. I didn't get scared ever. But I also don't know if that was because I had seen the movie. So right. had idea, like I knew what was the general gist of everything that was going to happen. Um, I didn't find it creepy. I find parts I, of it creepy. Like, well, it just never unnerved me yeah. like The Shining or it did Right. See, it even didn't recently, do that either. it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I remember you when you were reading it, but yeah. I and then I read it and was like, okay. The movie it <laughs> so. scared me more than the book did. But oh, really? See, the movie didn't scare. Like scary. the movie, the movie. had scary parts to me. I did too, um, but I wanted to be scared. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, okay, that's creepy. I can, or I can like, I can see why that's right. T- hor- horrifying, yeah. but it didn't physically like make me I feel anything I, like that. But if I saw the movie when I was younger. Yeah, it'd have been scary. Sure, because the TV just, series scared yeah. me as a kid, and that sucks. <laughs> it's yeah. terrible, and it's still, I get kind of, it's like this weird nostalgia thing of people my age. I'm slightly older than these two. Um, and <laughs> By like a year or <laughs> You haven't two, seen it. Three, but yeah, like I still like picture Tim Curry in clown makeup, and it's kind of like, oh my God. Yeah, poor Tim but Curry. I still want to see that one. I wonder yeah, if... A lot of the fear is rooted in the fact that it is like Lewis does what he does, not. I mean, it doesn't it because it's his kid. Like, mm-hmm. a friend of mine uh, hasn't read this um, and does books primarily on audiobooks, so also was like, why isn't there an audiobook? And I was reading it, I was like, you have a son, you have a young son about Ellie's age. And I was like, maybe this book isn't for you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, like, I can see people that have kids or yeah, yeah that being. No. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like that. There's just a connection there that I'm just like, I. It, this has to be a hard book to read after you have kids. Yeah. So. Yeah. And up maybe, to a certain point, like you could read up to the kite flying day and then just yeah, stop right there. Stop there. But it's a great ending to a book. It ends on a very happy note. Lewis yes. and Gage are flying a kite, and Gage is loving it. Rachel and Ellie come home. Ellie joins in. It's a great family moment. The end. Even though there's a little bit of Ellie bashing again when like, <laughs> Ellie came home, and it was like, and we ended shortly later, and that was good because Ellie came home, and I was like, you know what? Forgot about that. Didn't she? 
She dropped she the had thing. Trouble, like, she, she dropped it. Yeah, she dropped it and almost lost it. But they did God laugh damn about it, Ellie. it. They did laugh about it, you know. And then I, yeah, I also have some issues with the treatment of Ellie after. Yeah. Gage, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's jump into Gage. Wait, after dying. Gage, what? What happens to Gage? Oh. Gage, dies. Yes. Fortunately, it does not end. The book does not end with the kite flying day. <laughs> no. Um, the next section is. Uh, unfortunately Gage died he was doing that thing that I think all toddlers do at some point that game of running away from your parents and he ran into the goddamn road which I was like how close were y'all to this road (laughs) because you have a big ass field you play in the back exactly I was thinking the same thing like my dad's house we moved into a he moved into a bigger house when they had the twins which was 21 or 22 years ago so like they've been there a long time now and like I don't know if it is a reaction because my dad is a Stephen King fan. Like, that's why he set boundaries. But it was like, you do not go past the second tree or you will die. Like, like you will, not from the standpoint of like, you will be grounded and your ass will be so whooped that yeah. like, you're going to wish you're dead. And yeah. so you didn't do that. So like, yeah. By this I was point, only allowed to play in my backyard. Yeah. I lived on a busy street in Springfield, but like. I had rollerblades, so I was allowed to rollerblade in the driveway, but up until this one crack, because, like, the sense of, like, if you go beyond this, like, line in the driveway, you will die. There was still plenty of space between that line and the actual street, oh, yeah. but that is where I skated up to and then turned around. We had <laughs> a ditch. Back. There's a, um, a ditch to prevent flooding and stuff, so, like, even if a car comes 90 miles down the road, it's going to end up in that ditch before anything else, and... I just did that not occur to them? I mean, they've almost lived in this house for a year. It's like May when this happens. Yeah. So I can solve this problem. These two problems immediately. You know, the road's busy. Keep the cat inside the house. Don't let it go outside. Yeah. Number two, you build a fence. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yes. And you play behind the fence. So you yes. never play in the front yard. You always play in that. Done back, so. You know. I mean, it's I big feel enough. Like the cat was probably lured out of the house somehow by this spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because, he, cause again, he was laying around the house because he yeah. lost part of himself <clears throat> after his procedure. So, <laughs> And that goes into something. I'll save it for the end, but if you look at it that way of, mm-hmm. yes, this was yeah. part of a plan because it yeah. causes something at the very end, basically, yeah. that uh, the cat is important for. All this time of the stinking cat in the house and everything. And <laughs> Which has the other thing was, why would you keep this thing also, like, one, you're scared of it, Lewis. But oh, two, it also yeah. smells really bad. <laughs> yes. I can't remember. I don't know if it's happened yet. But either way, it's a small thing. But Lewis waking up with the cat on its chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forget when that happens. I don't remember but when that But that happens, was actually scary. Because, like, yeah, the idea that gross. it smells and you, since we know what this cat might be and everything mm-hmm. just having it just sitting right. on your chest and everything and right. that's gross. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> now and i did see too where so stephen king we had talked about this i think before stephen king did have a little bit of a scare with one of his sons with owen running towards the road that they lived that busy road that yes. they lived on so a close call you know enough to scare him um and i thought i read somewhere that he wasn't sure if he like actually like was able to get to him in time or if it was also because the kid he tripped. Fell. Yeah. Yeah. 
because um, there is a part when Gage, when Lewis is thinking back on Gage running, like he's just running. How why how is he not tripped yet? You know, he's he's like two. Yeah, he's right. fall. Kids, like, fall kids fall all the time. So that's but why they've got the diapers, right? Like that's what those are for, right? They're the big cushions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every time Lewis closes his eyes to dream, like this is all he can dream about is like this mm-hmm. moment, and every time he yeah. sees them in the dream. He gets there just fast enough to grab the back of his shirt or the back of his jacket. Um, But kind of talking about like with the cat being lowered out, there was something about the truck driver. Something made him just want to go fast once he got to Ludlow. Yeah. Yeah. The poor truck driver. I mean, like they say he's not on drugs. He wasn't drinking. Like you said, he just suddenly wanted to go really fast. And like his wife leaves him, takes the kids. He tries to commit suicide. It's like... (laughs) So I'm just like, this was an, it's a terrible accident, it's but it was an accident. accident. Like, like, I'd like to think I'd be there for my husband if something like this happened, if he was right. involved in something like this. <laughs> it's like, you weren't on drugs, you weren't, you know, I don't yeah. yeah. I mean, he's probably, he's and out like, on bail. So yeah, there is going to be a court case and. Everybody leaves him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's awful. And. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, again, early 80s, late 70s. I'm not entirely sure what the time period is because there's a mention of a computer mm-hmm. at one point. Um, but, hmm. like, I guess they didn't have the, you know, kids at play slow down stuff. So, I don't know. Oh, it's yeah, just, the signs. It's a little, This road's terrible. There should be some type of... There should be a damn fence. Like, <laughs> there should be speed <laughs> You're going to live on it. These damn Orinco it's trucks. The, it's 84. Okay. Because... Lewis came to believe that the last really happy day of his life was March 24th, 1984, with the kite. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that makes... Yeah, so yeah, he... So it's 84. He must which, have updated the years from when he started in the 70s and been like, oh, I'm publishing it now. Yeah. I'll make it, you know, not that much like, far, further. Rules, rules were more lax in the 80s. Like, I grew up... The house I grew up in, we had an in-ground pool, and I remember pictures... We didn't have a fence around it because you didn't need to have one. And then I remember when they put the fence in because it became a rule you had to have one. And it was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. You should have to have a fence around this thing so kids don't just fall into it and drown. So maybe, you know, they just were like, oh, we can play in this big yard. We don't need a fence. I have a really dumb question. Was there internet in the 80s? Like, because they talked at one point about printing the Path or the path, path, password, the plane tickets off on the computer. Does he not? I thought that was. Or hmm. did he print something else? I don't know. The it, the service I use doesn't have a search oh. function, but uh. like, because I just remember being like, "Oh, a computer." What, what time period is this? No. But now it's like, yeah, wait, I no, I'm remember. fairly certain he printed off their boarding passes, and it's like, hmm. I don't know. I, d- I don't remember that, and I can't imagine that in 84 people would have had, yeah. especially personal, like something like that, yeah. that you could easily print off. I thought, well, my when you said computer, I thought it was more like the computer at the um, terminal or something. Mm. Like, not them printing oh, it out at home or something. Nice. I thought it was more be. like at the actual airport. Yeah. Okay, um, that makes that. a little more I, sense. I can't imagine in 84 being able to you know do what we could do now in that sense of printing off but that is very um, true okay i ignore my question then i might do that i was gonna say edit (laughs) (laughs) um so gage dies unfortunately uh 
I like the way though the king he holds back. It doesn't. It doesn't just go into this day. Yeah, this happened. I'm it's so glad like, about that too. Or just he even describing. I would actually. I. I think it would be good not in saying describing in horrific detail what happened, but. Um, in a writing sense of starting a chapter, saying like Gage died, like being like a truck hitting you all of a sudden, like just suddenly happening. But again, not I, again. I like he doesn't go into gruesome details yeah. of what happened right we know it would have been not even just child person versus truck yeah truck yeah yeah we know it's gonna happen so how long it's it's a while until we actually even really get any details yeah yeah. during the funeral or the the hours yeah before the actual burial and everything of lewis trying to grab him Yeah. yeah but then the actual like when um well i'll let you go i was just gonna jump into the funeral no that's fine that's what i'm saying we'll get there so Oh, the funeral. The, oh. uh, the, the, um... His fucking father-in-law. The greeting line. Yeah. Yeah. His father-in-law. And, like, so, his coworker Steve, very helpful guy, comes over to check on them, you know, and help. And he points out to Lewis that Ellie's not vocalizing. Like, she's walking around holding a picture of Gage, but she's not talking. Rachel is, like... The, her sense of time has like even been messed up by this. Like she's in such a bad state. She can't dress just, her, she's not dressing like yeah, appropriately like for what coat. she would yeah. be yeah. going for. And Lewis is just not there for them. Which I okay, your son died in front of you. Terrible. Seventy. It was his favorite son. It, his favorite child. <laughs> his favorite child. Yes. <laughs> also, also, his favorite that. family member. Really. <laughs> yes. Um. So Steve says that he'll let Rachel go to the afternoon viewing if she can, like, dress herself. He's going to, like, keep an eye and everything. So Lewis is there by himself greeting people, and then his goddamn parents-in-laws show up. And the mother-in-law seems to want to, like, take that step to just kind of forget about whatever and just, like, be there as a family. Yeah. Whereas the father-in-law is just not having it. I don't even think he says anything to him when they first get there. No, he doesn't. They don't sign the book. They, they don't, don't sign the, the book. Yeah. Um, and then Rachel does come for that afternoon viewing. And then there is a fight between Lewis yeah. and his fucking father-in-law. This is where the father-in-law says he's, I told Rachel, I knew, oh no, he says, he says, I knew something like this would happen. How did you know, Erwin? Please tell me. How did you know that your grandson was going to get killed by a I freaking mean, truck? Everybody <laughs> like, grieves in their own way. It's terrible. What he does is terrible. How he acts is god-awful. Mm-hmm. And yet... Very much lashing out. I could see people grieving this way. Like... Yeah. It's easier to just to be angry. Yeah. It's or, nobody's fault in this case. It's not their fault that the kid ran out. It's not... I guess it is the truck driver's fault. I was about to say it's not really his fault, but because there is an evil spirit at play, it's not fast. Yeah. But then I'm thinking it was a truck. Even if he had been going the speed limit. Yeah. Like if it's a big 18 wheeler. Yeah. I mean, maybe he'd be paralyzed instead, but it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, actually before the afternoon viewing, uh, Lewis meets with Judd, Rachel, and Steve for lunch. And Rachel kind of breaks down, and Lewis just 
he can't bring himself to to comfort her, even put an arm around her. So Steve does it, and he kind of looks at Judd like, what the fuck? Like, help your wife. Like, even just a hug. <laughs> like, you don't have to say anything. Just physical comfort, you know, yeah, that Lewis I don't just get can't Lewis bring himself to do. Like, yeah. It doesn't... With Rachel. Yeah, the oh, fact that ahead. he can't even, like, put an arm around... Is it guilt? Is it... Is he mad at the... Like, it just... It, is he that empty? I don't know. Like, right? Like, you're not. You wouldn't cling to each other, kind yeah. of thing. For me, I was more angry about the two of them not really comforting Ellie because they both God, yeah. were fucking it up the way her parents fucked it up with her when mm-hmm. Zelda died, and I was yeah. just angry about it all. Like, eh. take <laughs> like, care of your goddamn daughter. Right. There is one part where Judd comforts her. And he looks at both Lewis and Rachel with, you know, kind of reproaching them, like giving him a look. And Rachel doesn't really get it, but Lewis gets it, that the message is, okay, one child died, yes, but your other child is still alive. Could you be here for her, maybe? Which, Um, I mean, statistically, like, a lot, most couples break up after they lose a child and... It, it is a kind of a book trope to kind of neglect the other child. So it is unfortunate, but not uncommon yeah. for what happened to Ellie. I mean, I feel like if you remove the supernatural element, I feel like Rachel would have eventually come around and like remembered, like, I got so fucked when my sister died. Like, yeah. maybe she would have come around and, and the grandparents or whatever. But like, Lewis is done. Yeah, he is tapped out. And then the physical fight with his father-in-law that afternoon doesn't help. The fight that ends up with one of them falling into the casket and the casket falling. And luckily not spilling open. Yes. But very traumatic. That would have been good. Just kidding. No. (laughs) And we, we didn't say Lewis's uncle was a mortician. Right. Oh, yes. So he knows it'll come up soon. So Lewis really knows about burial. He's a doctor and he knows about burial stuff. Yes. Very Um, knowledgeable. Yes. So the night, that night, um, I think he gives Rachel a sedative. Ellie's asleep, holding on to the picture. And he decides he is going to get drunk yes so he's drinking which that i was like okay this i can see please be there for your daughter in the morning <laughs> right um and your wife so while but also tr- the next day is the is the actual burial. funeral right yes yeah, the funeral right so he gets drunk and while he's getting drunk judd comes over it's like it's super late um but judd has an important reason to be there and it's to tell him about timmy baderman timmy b timmy b <laughs> Timmy B was a young man who's probably about 17. He died in World War II. Um, his dad, Bill, I want to say that his wife, Timmy's mom, had died. Yes. As well ago. as. So really, Timmy. Right. I think another child, because I think it said another, yeah. she and her two, the, and the two kids she helped bring into the world died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. So Timmy was really all Bill had left. Um, so I did like this description where that poor male woman 
was oh, driving yeah. and basically had a heart attack because, as she says later, she just saw Timmy walking down the road one God, day, yeah. a few days after the body came, you know. Um, I, I think this is, again, something that Stephen King pulled from. I think he had dream a dream i don't know if it was i assume it was at the busy road that they were Mm -hmm. you know living on at the time they started writing this but just a dream of like a corpse walking down the road Ah. (laughs) (laughs) is that the dreams i want to have (laughs) no so that male woman wouldn't go down that road um again another woman says she was out on her porch and Timmy was just there in the road and he spoke to her. He said something about music. He hits on her. Yeah. Listening yeah. to the records like we used to. Yeah. So she goes inside and doesn't come out for a week. Yes. Um, and then the war department ends up getting anonymous letters saying, you know, you said Timmy died, but Timmy's here in Ludlow and they need to, to look into it. So Judd and a few other guys end up going over to the Baderman home. And isn't it Norma that kind of oh, says, yeah. you got to go take care of yeah, this? She's, yeah, she pulls Judd aside and she's like, you just got to take care of this. But she does tell him to run. If anything, yep. Yep. just run, remember me, get out of there if yep. you need to. Smart. Yeah, smart. Yes, Norma. Um, so they end up going to the house and uh, Judd describes Bill, the dad, looking damned. He's lost a lot of weight. His mouth is twitching. He just looks, he's not right. <clears throat> Uh, But Bill says, no, there was a mistake. My son didn't die. See, Timmy's here. (laughs) He didn't die. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, it's fine. Um, And then Timmy got mean, uh, started saying mean stuff uh, that was true to the men that were there. Um, One man, he said that his wife was sleeping around on him. Um, I think he named someone specific. I just can't remember who it was. Uh, Another one says, your grandson's only here for the money that you don't actually have. And uh, at first, Judd doesn't say it, but he says that he said some stuff to me and it was true. And he ends up kind of confessing he was, he had gone to like a sex house, you know, stepping out on Norma. Like Which, the one like, mention of Lewis earlier yeah. saying one time he went to. I forget. Yes, I think it, it, <laughs> it's I, such a thing. It's, it's like, a small is this thing. a thing? Because I said something to you about it. <laughs> like, is this yeah. like something that guys like just did back because it doesn't it doesn't come up anywhere else in the it doesn't really add to any it's it's not like an explanation of him and his wife having a strained relationship because there's no indication that she knew i think about it at all norma no No, i'm talking about lewis oh rachel no brought up like while he's trying to revive norma or something or like because yeah it's it's, it's a really weird moment when he mentions it and it was like could have not had this in here and it would be okay right like i think it was at the time it says six years ago and if ellie's about five it would have yeah. been before she was born uh, oh, probably while yeah. she was pregnant and not wanting to put yeah out. maybe it's yeah. yeah maybe it's something like that but it's such a weird little thing because it doesn't so i don't really think it plays into anything yeah else anywhere but yeah so yeah. that just reminded me that yeah it's i forgot about small that because i, I mean there's no reason you. not to forget about it really right i said something new about it when i got to that and i was like what is this and then it does not come up again about lewis yeah the next time anything like that comes up is when timmy is screaming at judd and you know all the other men about their little secrets that he knows i love that i think this uh, see this part or the part when he i think it's this part because it had to be because that's where judd is seeing timmy but 
uh, I think his face just kind of bathed in sunlight. Um, just I had such a vivid image in mm-hmm. my head of a dead guy, this dead, probably more dead looking than he does look mm-hmm. in this uh, or to them, um, but just face like red and orange and everything just screaming at these people yeah. about these As trees that yeah are that was yeah. scary like that that imagery i really enjoyed yeah. cuz he was just clearly doing it to be vindictive like yes. judge says something oh, yeah. to lewis like these guys are really nice like you know one started like, not a charity but he started something really good for the town or yeah. something and you know but this thing it knew these things that <clears> other people <throat> that there's no way it could have known that timmy that dead timmy would have known um, so then, oh, and he makes note that, uh, Timmy had been touched by the Wendigo. Um, so what ends up happening next with Timmy is, uh, Bill ends up killing Timmy. Uh, he sets the house on fire, but they are able to see, you know, afterburns and everything that Timmy was killed first, Bill set the fire and then killed himself. Right. Uh, so that's how that got resolved. So Judd, you know, Lewis asks Judd, why didn't you tell me this before? And Judd's like, you didn't need to know. Now you do. <laughs> because <laughs> I have a feeling I know what you're over here thinking about. <clears throat> yeah, like he even goes so far to talk about how the different types of um, coffin liners you could have and things like that. And like that, you know, he didn't get the permanent one. He got the bag, basically. Right. Which is a the, gross, the liner. And, yeah. Gross. I'm getting cremated. Like, that's official. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that was... Yeah, I never really thought... What goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I was probably just like, uh, dirt. There's dirt. Nope. But, yeah. yeah There's different it's... liners you can get, and... The yeah. moss later but, yeah. on his son, I was like, nope, I am officially not getting buried Ugh. at all. Like, yeah, no. Don't no, do no, this no. to but me. But I mean, if he hadn't had the liner and had the other one, maybe there wouldn't have been any moss. Very but then true. He wouldn't have been able, Lewis wouldn't have been able to get in. To Which see it. would have been totally um, fine. Right. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. That Judd says the mortician told him that he picked basically that the more like temporary of the two, the, right. the easier one to access to yeah. get right. into the, the coffin if one were so inclined. So, so, is Lewis possessed, or is Lewis doing this because he misses his son? Like, is it a possession, or is it grief? Is this I like... kind of thought... Both? Sort of like a combo of both. <laughs> it's like there's using a his grief to make yeah. him, like, make me... If this supernatural thing wasn't there, but he... Or the supernatural part of it being a thing that wants you to do it... Maybe he would have thought about it, but then he would have ultimately said no. But then just I mean, even him having does. a little bit of an inkling. Yeah. Repeatedly, he's yeah. like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea right. as I start my car. This is a bad idea right. as I'm trying to jump the cemetery fence. He yeah. wants the people yeah. that he knows in the diner or the hotel or wherever he's eating. Yeah. He yes. sees people that he knows and he wants them to notice him. Yes. They don't. they don't. And then right. that makes him not, right. you know, stop. But... He did ship off Rachel and Ellie. Yes. Because he knew, like, because when this happened with Church, they weren't here. So his plan is to, like, get them out, have them go back to Chicago with um, her parents, and then he can kind of do this and test the water, sort of, and then can, like, get rid, not get rid of it. If it goes wrong, he's like, I I have my morphine, I can do it, and I can kill, he's, he's like, I can kill him if I need to. Yeah, there's um, like what three he, options? It either comes back, 
as slow, and that's mm, fine. Yeah. We move to right. Florida. It comes back. It's evil. I kill it immediately, or it doesn't come back. Yeah. yeah. And it's been um, five. Yeah, because his plan days? is because he asks um, Rachel. Um, I guess when Gage was younger, they had a scare and thought that he had. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Some encephal uh, encephal something. Yeah. Swelling. Swell, yeah. Swelling in the brain. And that yeah. it would have, yeah. And asked her basically, you know, if 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 things had gone bad there, you know, would she have still been able to love Gage if he was, you know, slower or, you know. Which had is not that the same she thing says, as your kid dying it's and definitely coming not. back. Like, <laughs> it's definitely not. Because his whole plan, too, was if he came back and he was just a little bit slow, you know, kind of like, I guess you could describe spot, not evil, right. but just, you know, kind of there. Um, he was just going to go to Chicago with Gage and they were never going to go back to Maine. No, they were going to go to Florida. He was going to go to Florida and be like, don't go back to Maine. Come down to Florida. I promise you. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Take him to Disney World. (laughs) Which is just like, you. (laughs) Leading all up, leading up to this, I was like, what is his, what, what is the story? Like justification would this character have of everyone knows what happened to your Same. son or, or before it happened i was thinking is he going to somehow like his son gets killed and his wife they're not there so he does it right away or something like i was thinking there can't be a whole funeral where everyone knows it happened because mm-hmm. right. then how would you explain it and then right. yeah the you whole thing of like up. oh i'm gonna become a, uh, a medic at a disney. medic at disneyland you at disney world and we're gonna drive life. around in my little thing with my kid and yeah. it'll be great and yeah. like okay yeah you're that's crazy he kn- at least he knows in that that he would have to give up the entire life that they've made in maine they cannot stay there they cannot they have right. to leave yeah and he so. calculates so tommy died and i think it was like nine or ten days afterwards was buried yeah so he's like mm-hmm. okay fine to, this has only been and, yeah. five so right. yeah the cat was immediately right. that night mm-hmm. so he's like okay well i'm doing it less time so maybe less time It'll be okay. Right. So he gets Rachel and Ellie to leave. Actually, his... Um, when does that happen? The father-in-law apologizes to him. It's After... before they leave. It's before it's they leave. It's on the phone. He yeah. calls to say, like, they're going to... Or... Oh, yes, because he thanks Lewis yeah. for suggesting this because Rachel must... You know, she must have told him that this was Lewis's idea that her and Ellie go back with them. Right, yeah. They're, they're um, still there. That's Yeah, right. he does apologize. But then when they go to the airport the next day... The way the father-in-law is acting, Lewis is like, oh, so you were probably drunk last night. <laughs> like, you know what you said, but you weren't, you know, meaning to. Um, here I did like, oh, poor Ellie. So Poor Ellie. Before they leave, Rachel does straight up ask Lewis, what's going on? And he's like, what? And she's like, I don't know what. Right. It's like, I don't know what, but that's why I'm asking. And he's just like, that's ridiculous. And she's like, okay, keep gaslighting her, Lewis. Great. <laughs> You asshole. <laughs> he is but such she, a fucking asshole. I'm sorry. Yeah. So she gives, she leaves it, whatever, but she does tell him, you know, Ellie had a dream that you were dead. You were sitting at the kitchen table. She could tell you were dead and she could hear Steve, your, your coworker, screaming. And he's just like, meh, you know, he just kids. blows it off, whatever. Yeah, kids. So they go to the airport. Ellie ends up telling Lewis about a dream she had where Gage's coffin was empty, and so she goes to his crib, but that's empty, but there's dirt in it. He just brushes that off. It's just a dream. Ellie does not want to leave. 
She knows something bad's going to happen. She doesn't want to leave. And Lewis is just like, no, everything's fine. Uh, gaslighting his child, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, it's his second favorite child. So. Yeah, right. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I know. So they do end up going and leaving. But Ellie is, she knows that this is bad. That She's she doesn't want to leave. She's hysterical by them. the time they land. Yeah. Yes, because she has the dream <clears throat> on the plane. Yeah, about Which, Pascal. Like, is at least two flights, if not three. Because they're not flying out of Portland. They're flying. Right. So, yeah, like, I don't know if there's right. a leg to Boston or what. I don't know. Still. Yeah. That's a long flight. But she has a dream. His dream on the plane, at least one. The first one, I think, is of Gage being alive. And he has the knife from Daddy's bag, from his medical right, bag. Yeah. Um. And then after they land, Ellie ends up telling Rachel that she says Pax Cow took her to the pet cemetery and said that he can warn her, but he can't interfere. Um, and Rachel, she's like, who is Pat? Like, it sounds familiar, but she can't right. place it. And finally, she does place it. She asks, is his name, first name Victor? Ellie says yes. And she's like, Pascal. She's like, that's what I said. <laughs> um, which I thought was like an adorable, like just a kid would be like, yeah, that's what I said. Pascal. She's still not saying it right, but thinks she is. Um, so Rachel ends up um, freaking out about this because, because she knows that she, they would have kept that whole story away from Ellie. There's no way right. that she would have known about Victor and everything like that from them. They would not have spoken about it in front of her. Um, she ends up calling Judd and Judd, she can tell is like, becomes more alert when she says that Ellie had the bad dream on the plane and that Lewis did suggest that we go to Chicago. Right. So poor Rachel, she does, she's, she's got to get back, you know, and Ellie encourages her to, she's like, yeah, go, don't let your parents, like, yeah. don't let them stop you. You got to go. You got to go back. I got to the sure grandparents. Okay. You got this. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's what you're saying. There's multiple flights. She ends up missing a layover. So she gets a car and drives, which like, ha have you guys been to Boston airport? It's the worst. Oh yeah. It's a fucking, like the no. terminals aren't connected. I have almost missed a flight because oh. like there it's, it's a bus system. Boston, get your oh. shit together. Like your airport <laughs> is not anyways. Sorry. I have lots of feelings about the Boston airport because I've gotten lost. <laughs> So this was true to real life, I guess, then. Poor thing. Yes. She was, like, running all over the place to try to make this this flight. Yeah, especially if, you, like, she flew in on United and, like, had to fly on Delta or something like that. Like, those would have definitely been different terminals. And they're not easy to get to by foot, so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So she ends up driving. She does stop to call Judd, who then tries to get her to just get a hotel room, stay the night. It's too far of a drive to do this late at night. Um, I will, and Judd says he thinks he can take care of it. Right. He's not going to give her the details when she gets here, come to his house first. <laughs> Tell me now. I know which she did try, but he was not <laughs> giving up the story because she definitely would have come if he had told her that story. Yes. Because even if she didn't believe him, she would have been like, this man's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I just need to get home to find out myself what's happening. If she had just so, listened, if she had just pulled over, if like, like, it's like this, Wendy, the Wendigo didn't want to eat her. Like, it's trying to stop her. Right. And then, or at like, least it's trying to, 
stop her so that the next steps can happen with Gage, yeah. I think. Because her car dies. And yes. she, you know, she pulls off for coffee or something and her car dies. And she does end up getting a guy to fix it. And he's like, it's the weirdest thing. The battery cable, cable just came off. It was like a, a child could have fixed this. This usually doesn't happen with new cars. Like, oh, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by that point, she's like, there's an evil force. Something's up. She, yeah. She's like, something is trying to stop me from getting home. And then at the same time, Judd falls asleep and misses when Lewis gets home. Because yes. while all of this is happening... Lewis has gone to crazy adventures. Yep, yeah, he gets that hotel room. Well, who does he check in as? Uh, Dee Dee Ramone. Yes, because and that's an ongoing one of the ongoing uh, little bits in the, the book is the well, it actually it starts probably later, but the hey ho, let's go from mm. uh, uh, Blitzkrieg Pop, and because Stephen King is a huge Ramones fan, so yes, uh, oh, okay. Lewis checks in as Dee Dee Ramone, and I feel like. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they don't care, but I feel like the person at the desk would have been like, what, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> That's such a big, yeah. You could have used the last main uh, name, Ramon, but something bef- different yeah. in front, but he literally says DD. But yeah, he goes on this crazy, crazy adventure of breaking into the cemetery and digging up his son, and it's horrific as you mentioned earlier megan the moss mm-hmm. on his yeah. and it, it takes well, him forever to get in because it, that point yes it does it takes it which because when he goes to check out the cemetery before he gets them to leave he orders a pizza one night and he gets it from a place near the cemetery and he checks out the cemetery and the door is open so when he's gonna break in for realsies <laughs> he's like oh it'll be open it's not open no it's just like, how are you going to get in? And then I'm like, how are you going to get out? Because he had to climb up a tree and hang off a damn branch to get over the fence. <laughs> like, how are you going to do this with your son's body? And then it's like 12 different ways that I could be skewered. And I was like, I don't need to yeah. know. Oh, you're going to tell me. Okay. All 12 ways. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then with the moss, because the way that part was written, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Um, the way it was written was he opens, he gets in. When he finally gets into the coffin, he opens it. Gage's head is gone. And I feel like that's the end of that section. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then when it comes back, it's like, oh no, there's moss. Yeah. Because yeah. he got the liner and not the so real gross. top there's, thing. There's water and <laughs> yeah, in there and everything, and so yeah. I mean, we're cutting out. There's so much more to him getting oh, in. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. To uh, dogs to, uh, barking, people walking by <laughs> while he's hanging slow, in a tree, slow rolling by, yeah. and everything, and leaving um, his keys in the car, like. Oh my yes. god! And then I was like, "You buried the keys, didn't you?" Or you, you know, when you filled the thing back up. Yeah. No, I was like, "They're in so, the ignition." I've done this. They're in the ignition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, eventually, he does. He his plan works. Mm-hmm. His crazy plan. He gets his son's body. And one of the there's a small thing when he gets he can't fit the body in the back because the car is too small, and he has to put him in the front and then he has this realization of what if my what if his head is turned around or something and he has to like feel through the bag and he he feels his nose and everything but just see the thought of like just has to be facing the right way yes because what if he comes back and his head's the other way and then he's he'll be like that and yeah it's yeah there's some little horrific bits sprinkled throughout this whole section of the cemetery belt part dug up his son's body it's pretty horrific yeah like, ugh. so when he gets home 
Judd is falling asleep. And, like, Judd actually thinks, too, that he feels a pull of, like, stay out of this. Yes. Leave this alone. Just leave it alone. Um, but he ends up falling asleep. He, he doesn't see when Lewis gets back. Lewis gets up to the pet cemetery. He does his whole walk. And when he when he's walking, at one point he stops because he, he hears something heavy, like, big walking. So he stops. He hears he, he could feel the ground. Um hears a really loud noise and he freezes and then the thing that's moving it moves away from him and he ends up like coming across a fallen tree that had just been knocked over basically by something which when to go does they... he see the face here in the mist yep is okay it's not earlier but yeah he's, no it's he definitely forms, this point, yeah. and it's gibbering yes. and then it it just disappears yep but he keeps on going yeah. towards it it's like yeah he's just seeing things like that's what this area yep. does you just see things yep Here's that damn laugh that turns into a sob. Yeah. So he digs the, because he he has all the tools and stuff. He digs the, the grave for, for a shovel and a gauge, pick, pickaxe. For, uh, yeah. I think for specifically up here because it's stony. It's, it's not stony. like when he was digging up the grave in the graveyard. Yeah. It's That was more of the shovel. And it's oh. here. It's because of the rocks. Stony. I forgot. Um when everything happens with the, the cat, Judd says the thing that Pascal said to him as he was dying. The soil, that the soil of a man's heart is stonier. Um, which I'm just like, he's saying the words to you that a dead man spoke to you. Yeah, like, You should be heeding notice. this dead man's warnings. So, sorry, these just reminded me of the ground being stony. <laughs> I found it funny. He, so he gets a large flashlight, a pickaxe, a shovel, hmm. some rope. And I feel like something Tarp. else. And it's like 60 bucks. Tarp, yeah. I was like, God damn. 84. <laughs> it's like, that's like $200 worth of material. What do you mean? 60 bucks. Yeah. yeah. He almost, lo- and then when he almost loses all the stuff in the cemetery a million times, yes. like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. This was, so. that was written slightly different. It'd be like a comedy. Yeah. Just falling over crazy. and dropping yeah. stuff. And, um, and so then he leaves, and then when he gets to the regular pet cemetery, he hears something moving behind the blowdown, and he calls Gage's name, but he, then he realizes it's not him, and he backs away. And this he, is immediately. It's yeah, like, he knows it's not him, so he's like, I gotta get out of here. Leaves, goes home, and then he passes out. <clears throat> was that supposed to be church? Is that what it said later? I don't think it was church. I think... Or was it just I don't think so. a random... I think it was something I think it's else. Just okay. something in the woods. Yeah something else scary in the woods basically <laughs> Those are probably my, and these are probably my favorite parts the walking in the woods and just sounds and not knowing exactly what's out there or anything like this i'm i want to watch the movie because i don't too. think they're going to just do this justice in yeah. this uh little horror movie from 1989 like are they remaking it uh there's talk i mean Stephen King is huge now. I mean, he's always been huge, but especially now with all the movies that are come out, um, even with the Dark Tower being garbage, apparently. um, Yeah, I think Del Toro done enough good things. Del Toro was in talks, but I think he was also in talks for Mm. It, and I know he got off of It. Mm, Yeah, yeah, Um, he he definitely said it might have been a couple years ago, but he definitely was like, "I would love to do Pet Cemetery," but I mean. Oh, here we go. At this point, if he's going to be involved in October 2017, Paramount announced that Dennis. Widmeyer and Kevin Col something Kolsch, the team that wrote and directed the 2014 thriller Starry Eye, because we all 
I have no fucking right. clue what movie that I, is. I did see I didn't see that, but yeah, I remember this yeah. the story, yeah. I actually have no idea so, what yeah, movie I mean, that is, so okay. You're not alone. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I would sure not be surprised if this gets yeah. remade fairly yeah. recent. Probably more of a Netflix. I don't see it being a um I can see Netflix doing, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's Gerald's game. Oh Netflix yeah. Netflix can do Oh, I've seen that too. Good uh <laughs> King adaptations. And I haven't seen it, but the nineteen twenty two I've heard is good. That's mm-hmm. another King ad- I mean, yeah, yes. it's I think now that especially now that it made so much money, they're like yeah. back into like I mean, they're still talking about doing the Dark Tower T V show mm. even though the movie failed miserably. Yeah, I, I would much prefer I think it would actually probably be better as a TV show. Oh, um, yeah, no doubt. It's so big. Oh, that's right. And eleven twenty two sixty three is a TV show called Under the Dome. Mm. Yep, there's so much. Which oh was God. the Simpsons movie, <laughs> right? Oh, the Castle Rock, the mm-hmm. Hulu Castle Rock, J.J. Abrams thing, which is like an amalgamation of a million Stephen King things. Oh, yeah. That's coming soon, so yeah. You said Castle Rock, and I heard Castle Black. No. <laughs> Got two episodes to be caught up. No. Let's get back to the story, <laughs> <All> please. <right. laughs> yes, we're almost done. Oh. Yes. So Lewis goes home. He passes out. Um, and he does not wake up when Gage comes home. He slightly wakes up because the smell, and he turns away from it. Um, Shadowy figure. Now Lewis had gotten down his medical bag to just have ready. So Gage goes into it, takes his scalpel, and goes to see Judd. Poor Judd. So even though it's kind of his fault. Poor Judd. Judd wakes up and he immediately knows something is off in his house. Yeah. Um, calls for Gage. There's the first, I don't know if I remember if he sees the cat first, but the cat is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gage starts taunting him, but it's clearly, it's not Gage. It's, it's clearly the thing. Cause he's like, Oh, do you think I wouldn't forget you or something? Like he's like, basically I'm back and I'm here to fuck with you now. It's like the exorcist. <sighs> yeah. Like Reagan possessed Reagan talking to Father Marin, talking yeah. about his mother in hell and everything. Like, it's yeah. almost exactly like oh, that. Says that he saw Norma in hell and she's there with her arthritis. Because that was one thing that Judd had said when Norma died was that at least now, you know, the arthritis, that's not something right. like, you know, she's in heaven, you know, she's not dealing with the arthritis, but Gage's like, I saw her in hell and she still has the arthritis. And says that she was sleeping with all of his friends. And I'm so torn on between if this is real or not. Because, like, when he says all right. the things to the people back in the 40s like yeah it was all real and it's like yeah norma didn't give off that vibe but i guess like when the arthritis is that bad i don't think you have that much of right and it had also been like she's probably in her 80s as well (laughs) yeah but it's like she's younger but still yeah i mean like it was implied that maybe she either did it out of revenge or like I almost got the vibe of like she didn't really love him or something like that she was laughing behind his back i don't know i don't i really hope that that wasn't real it's not really discussed even if uh judd thinks it's real or not so right yeah i i i think i'm gonna choose to believe that i don't want gage was just being an asshole and lying to like really gut him you know yeah like maybe those other ones were two in the 40s right. but this one is really just two and that maybe he was using or it was using that because <laughs> judd did step out on her so maybe he'll believe it if he says that True. she was stepping out yes, on him yeah, so. yeah just to mess with him 
Um, and then the cat trips him up. Important. Just like a real cat. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he had he had grabbed a meat cleaver. He had some yeah, some type of weapon. He was in the kitchen yeah. meat cleaver. Yeah. But the cat trips him up and he falls and and Church is actually bitch. Curry, which like mm. he's only done one other time when he woke up when Lewis wakes up on them on his chest. Ah uh, yes yes. But yes. it's like. Yeah. One of the signs of like him being dead was that he stopped purring. Yeah, right. So, so Jed evil falls must have been around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in the Achilles heel, which is awful. Uh, stab, stab. Yep. Poor Jed. Yeah, he gets stabbed. He gets stabbed a lot. Yeah. And it's so it's relatively quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, the next one too. They're all relatively all right. quick. Oh, yeah. I mean. Next one's even as quick yeah. as it could be with a scalpel, I mean, like by a two-year-old, like a little arm. Yeah. I just mean the overall, like from Judd coming into the yeah. house and Gage being there, like everything happens right. very quickly. It, and yeah. actually, this whole part this of the part, book yeah. is from the cemetery, her being in Chicago or getting right. back, and everything. It's just like right. nonstop compared to the Let's rest of the go, book. Go, it just go. goes, yeah. and it's, um, yeah, yeah. Because the next thing is Rachel getting home, but she goes to Judd's house first, like they had talked about. She sees the cat, um, which she thinks is weird, but then she hears a groan from inside, and she thinks, oh, man, Judd's hurt. And at first, she doesn't want to go investigate. She's, like, freaking herself out, kind of, with everything with Zelda. But then she's like, no, your neighbor is hurt. Get upstairs. Help him. Um, and so she does. Uh, does she see Judd, that Judd is dead? I don't I'm think he's quite dead when she gets or there. Or that he's he in, dying. Because Church has blood. I feel like he makes right. a sound or something. Or maybe that was just Gage making yeah, just, That's Yeah, that's what I couldn't remember was if it was Gage making the groaning noises to get her to come upstairs. Right. Because I thought Judd was downstairs. Pretty sure He Judd ends was up going upstairs, yeah. Or maybe oh, okay, he did he drag him upstairs. I don't know. A lot happens in this last part. It's a, yeah. yeah. Although no, because when Lewis doesn't he find him downstairs and then he goes upstairs. I think so. I think, yeah, I think Judd is in the downstairs. kitchen because I think he you're gets right. the cleaver in from the, the drawer and that's where he gets it. Yeah, he gets so the she kitchen. doesn't see Judd, but she thinks he's upstairs. So she goes upstairs and then she sees Gage and she opens her arms for a hug, which actually no, first when she sees him, she thinks it's Zelda. She sees right. Zelda. She opens freaking crazy. the door open, she sees Zelda, and that's horrifying. Or, yeah, and then it turns and she realizes, no, it's not Zelda, it's Gage. Which should they, which also is horrifying. be horrifying. Yes, <laughs> your son just buried him. So He's got his hand behind he runs, his back. Oh. Yeah. I brought something for you, mommy. I brought you something. And of and course, that's a, that's a sweet little voice compared to what he was sounding like. Saying to Judd, Judd. yeah. <laughs> so then it cuts to Lewis waking up. Um, his father-in-law calls and asks if Rachel made it home, and that's when he realizes, oh, that strange car at Judd's, he knows what's, he knows what's happened, like, immediately. There's also, um, at some point before Lewis wakes up, there's a wonderful moment where Ellie wakes up screaming. Like, yeah. it's like 5 o'clock, and it's like the line of, like, and this was also the time Ellie woke up screaming that her mother was dead or something. Yes, 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 yes. Got that shine. And then... When Erwin is the father-in-law calls, he says that they had to take Ellie to the hospital because she was having bad dreams. They couldn't get her to snap out of it. And that she said, Oz the Great and Terrible had killed her mother, but she said it the way Zelda used to say it. Oz the Great and, and Terrible. terrible. 
which is also the name of the last section we didn't say that yeah three sections of the book this is the last section is is named that right and so Erwin's like how much have you told her about zelda and i don't think lewis really answers but no because he sees the footprints yes and he lies and says Rachel did make it home okay, which I guess she technically did make yeah, she it did. home she fine. Made it. She's not sure. fine now. And he freaking knows it. Um, yeah, I was like, but the maybe last she's thing Erwin still tells alive. Him, maybe, maybe sure, she's still sure, alive. Sure, sure. Like, maybe everything's okay. <laughs> she wouldn't, I was holding out hope. She's not Megan. Right. No, she I wouldn't have he... come home to see me, her husband. Like, he even knows. after Jed would have told her everything, if everyone was really okay. He knows. He's got to get off the phone quick. He's like, I got to make another trip up there. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, oh, the last thing the father-in-law says is that the other thing that they could get out of Ellie besides Oz the Great and Terrible killing her mother was that Pascal or Paxcow said it's <laughs> too late. So... He ends up realizing, Lewis ends up realizing that Gage did come home, the footprints, and that he, his scalpel's missing from his bag, so he knows it's gone, it's gone bad. It's, it's, you know, he's not come back like his sweet little boy, or even just a little bit slower. So he gets ready to, to handle it, and the first thing he does is, you know, he goes across the street. But does it before that, doesn't he see the cat, and the cat's looking at him from across the street? Oh, probably. Yeah, the yeah. cat's laying on the, on the, hood, on the, the, car. the just, hood of Rachel's car. Yeah, just looking at him from across Rental the street. Car, yeah. yeah. So he goes and gives the cat a shot of morphine, kills it. I actually kind of felt, even though it's an evil cat, I was like, oh, poor kitty. Because the way that it runs away and it kind of like, oh, I'm like, oh, poor kitty. Sorry. It helped <laughs> kill Judd. I know. You said Judd was the best. <laughs> but also Judd's the reason this all started. Judd is not really, the reason it all started. Danny B. Stanny B is yeah. whoever told Stanny B. And whoever told Stanny and whoever told them can <laughs> go up the line. <laughs> um, so he kills the cat. He goes inside. He finds Judd. I think he covers him with a sheet. He apologizes. He does. And then it, he's, I'm pretty sure I the think he red. Hears... Oh, no. Maybe that's his wife. But well, I he... thought the red, like, it's a white sheet and the red it's, starts spreading. It's Judd. Yeah. yeah. Hears, I think he hears Gage laughing upstairs, and I think he, he hears, says, do you, "Do you?" I think he asks them, "Do you want to go to Disney World with me?" He hears a like deliberate, deliberately secretive oh, yeah. sound that was placed for him to hear, to go investigate. Yes. Right, goes upstairs and he sees Rachel. His wife is dead, stabbed, blood all over the walls, a dozen times, if not two dozen. Yep. God. So he ends. Gage comes at him with the scalpel, but he ends up like wrestling him down and giving him the the morphine shots. Did you feel bad for Gage because doesn't he <laughs> do a little walk and stumble and fall? No, just the cat. <laughs> yep, that works. Okay, so he kills Gage, and then <clears throat> I kind of thought this part. I kind of like this the, the the part where he kind of stays crouched in the corner for like two hours, like yes. he doesn't move because of. His wife is, she's gone. Sucking his thumb. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, doesn't know what to do. Um, and then he, then from there he knows what to do. He wraps his wife's body in a sheet. He, uh, ends up basically setting Judd's house on fire and takes the body out. Meanwhile, his coworker Steve had come to check on him and he sees the house on fire, but then he happens to look and he sees Lewis on the path. So he follows him and he makes it all the way to the pet cemetery and Lewis's hair is turned white, um, and he's clearly not well. And, and Steve knows he's carrying something that has to be Rachel's body. He just knows that that's what it is. 
Um, and Lewis says he waited too long with Gage and that something bad got into him. So it, he's going to be different with Rachel. Um, he asks Steve if he wants to help him. And Steve does feel a pull. He starts to go up the blowdown after Lewis. Um, but then something at the last dec- second stops him. Like he, his foot falls through. It's almost like he's sort of like in a trance dream fog type of thing <laughs> happening um, where he is going to follow him. And then his foot breaks through and it kind of snaps him back to reality. He gets down on the correct side of the blow down <laughs> and, and then he just runs. He runs away. He runs, gets on his, he's in a motorcycle, I think. Yes. Grabs his helmet, grabs it. Well, he's on a bike. Bike, yeah. One of Gets the, the hell out of Ludlow. He takes a job where in Indiana or something. St. Louis. He goes back home to Indiana. Yeah. St. Louis. Yeah. Or. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, and he never goes back to that area again. But he does dream that something huge had reached to touch him, but pulled back at the last second. So he does, he did almost go. Um, oh, I do, uh, the part where, too, where Lewis says that it's going to be different with Rachel he doesn't have any tools, but I'm just I'm just gonna have to do it with my hands, which could take all night. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. And he's like aged. Like not only is his hair grayer, like he's aged. <sighs> yep. Like it's sucking the life out of him, but whatever. He's yep. doing it anyways. But he does it. Um he goes back home. He answers questions to the cops about Judd's fire, but he's wearing like his gardening gloves to try you know, cover up his destroyed hands. Um, and then he sits up at night playing solitaire and waits for Rachel. Darling. Yep. And she comes home. And then I, cause I had a memory of the, the way the movie ends with her, but I, for the book, it's just, you know, he's sitting at the table and he hears the door open and he hears her say, darling. And then that's it. Obviously going to be the evil creature again. Right. Yep. And going to kill him like Ellie dreamed about him being dead at the table. He's going to die. Poor Ellie is stuck with her grandparents who don't handle things well. And nope, yeah. they're definitely not going to handle this well. <laughs> yeah. How are they yeah. going to explain all that death? Yeah. Yeah. So. So that was. Uh... <laughs> it's not super fun, I'd say. No. And I think that's partly a reason that I think maybe now he probably softened on it. I think it was more at the time that Stephen King didn't partly why he put it away and didn't publish it as when he wrote in the late 70s because he just thought it wasn't enjoyable and he also I have a quote I think his wife also hated it and Peter Straub yep (laughs) they were both like no (laughs) is uh uh a quote it seems to be saying that nothing works and nothing is worth it and I don't really believe that which I think you can see from other um Stephen King stories um, so this one really just is bleak and then gets bleaker and then ends even more bleak somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's worth, I'm, I'm happy that he did. I'm happy that his wife, I think, even though he is, it was initially saying, Oh, my contract, they need a final book. Here we go. Take it out. Probably edited it and made some changes. But I think his wife was one person else was like, yeah, I think you should, it's, it's good enough. You should put it out. And you know, yeah. I'm yeah. glad he did do that, even though, yes, it is. Very, very bleak. There's like no hope. It, no. No. I don't think he, he had die. hope that this book would do well either. Probably because not, like no. the book before this, they didn't Guys. think did well. and uh, Which I think The Stand is the one before this, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, I think it's mm. the stand. So I'm not sure, because the stand came out in '78. Um, I think the stand um, actually came out the month that they moved to Maine, or they 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 moved to where um, he was going to um, uh, be teaching um, for like that year. That's where he kind of came up with the idea. I think the stand came out that month that they actually moved into that that you know on that busy street and everything. When did The Shining come out? Maybe it was The Shining. 1977. I was going to say 77, yeah. I feel like it was an S book, but maybe I'm completely wrong. Salem's Lot? Wait, that That was 75. Carrie was Um, first. Let's see, this was 1983. The last one before that, because I have that version. So in the beginning, the front is also has, has the also by Stephen King. Uh, Christine was in eighty three. Dark Tower was in eighty two. Cujo in eighty one. Firestarter in eighty. Seventy nine. Dead Zone and then The Stand and then The Shining. Yeah. Salem's Lot and Carrie. Oh God, I'm gonna start going in order. <laughs> I'm gonna start with. <laughs> it would Carrie be worth yeah, taking a look to see like what changes and what doesn't. Or like when the I guess Christine was the one before this. I don't know why I thought it was a best yeah. movie. Or maybe one, two, three, four. I wonder if like uh, I think it does say who he published it, and I wonder if the first four plus Pet Cemetery were published by someone or one, two, three, four. Yeah, the first four. If Dead Zone, Firestarter, Cujo, and Christine were published by someone else. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I wonder. I think some of those. I don't know how that would have worked with his contract, but some of those I think were Bachman books. At least the Dead Zone might have been a Bachman book. I can't remember. He was basically I don't know if you know this, Stephanie. He was publishing so many books, or he had so many books to publish. But I think his um, management or you know whoever were like, it doesn't look good to have so many books with your name, like the same name. So he wrote books as Robert Bachman for a while as a pseudonym. Yeah. I feel like and I he had know that. That sounds kind of so, so. I can't remember though. Like I, I thought the Dead Zone was a Bachman book, but I'm not. I can't remember. But I think now at this point, you know, they're they've probably gone back and like these are King books. It doesn't yeah. matter now. But um, so Double Day published Carrie Salem's Lot Shining and The Stand and Pet Cemetery. So that's where that oh, came okay. from. Um, so yeah, but I like they didn't get along. I don't know the whole story there, but yeah. Like, he, they didn't expect this to go well. There's something about money with his contract. This was, I did not check multiple articles, so this one could very well be wrong. It was something about... This, I think this his, is what I saw, too. That his money, there was something like they would pay him, like, 50000 or something a year. But because of how well the books had done, they owed him millions. They would have more, but and they, they wouldn't couldn't, just. They would have gone out of business if they paid them. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, "We need you to do this book, and still pay you over like six years." And then, or something. if this does well, then we'll have the money to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Poor Stephen King. Oh. So. Yeah. Well, as we always do with each book, what book drink is for oh, I, you had cemetery. fair warning sir <laughs> i did have fair warning and i could i don't know drinks uh, just beer you beer on a porch you need a porch a, you need a porch, you need a porch and you need an old person <laughs> <laughs> that's the drink you need an old 80 year old man and a beer yep yeah exactly 
that works. I forget. I think they say a Do couple types of beer. they say what drinks? Yeah, there is a brand uh, in here. I didn't write it down this time. It didn't yeah. stick out as much. So it's got to be in a can. It's got to be a can, not yes. a bottle or anything. Probably a regional beer. I did have time to think about this, and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what will you be reading next, Chris? I, um, I have to finish The Gunslinger. Okay. So I'm going to do that. And then... Um, I know we did some. I did some um, posting on the um, uh, Facebook group, and I think I want something. I want another scary book, even though I said you know this didn't terrify me. Um, right. So I'm thinking of maybe um, the ritual. I forget the author's name. Um, is this what the but, Netflix show is based on? Yeah, the okay. Netflix movie. Yeah, it's it's based on this. I, I think the last the the author's last name is Neville, um, okay. but I think I've heard some decent things about that. So I actually did watch the movie um, just because I have no qualms about you know. Sometimes I'll wait and I'll read something first, but I'm just like you know what it's on now. I like uh, one of the actors in it and it seems interesting, so I did watch it, um, and I'm sure the book will be different um, enough. So I think that's probably after the Gunslinger will be uh, my next story because yeah, I'm still in the mood for something, um, you know, scary. I hope it's scary. So I was thinking that after Pet Cemetery, of like I want to read a scary book. <laughs> yeah. So because I I wasn't scared by this or it maybe i've just been desensitized it's I quite possible try the shining also maybe. yeah, yeah. stephen king's wordy motherfucker yeah. it's a little hard to be scary when you're so <laughs> damn wordy oh. also the yes. beer uh black label oh, okay this is, yeah a few cans of black label there you go, there you that, go. that's my suggestion <laughs> but also the old man in the porch it's a requirement okay. it is a requirement got it <laughs> Oh, and um, I just wanted to say everyone should. I'm sorry. Nope. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, As I was saying earlier, related to the Ramones, if you haven't seen the movie, especially you need to listen to their song Pet Cemetery, which they wrote for the movie. It plays over the end credits and especially the way the movie ends. It's kind of jarring to hear this up-tempo Ramon song. <laughs> I think the song is still amazing, even though it was written for the Pet Cemetery. Apparently, Dee Dee Ramon wrote it, um, wrote the lyrics after reading the book at like Stephen King's house like in a night. Um, cool. And it's it's awesome. Again, you, you wouldn't think, after reading this book especially, even though the Ramones are mentioned throughout, um, that they would have write a song called Pet Cemetery. And that it would be such, because you played it for me right before we started recording. It's like, this is a very it's jazzy, awesome. <laughs> dancy, like, upbeat yeah, tempo it's going so on it's just, here. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so everyone, if you haven't listened to it, you go f- listen to the Ramon song, Pet Cemetery. I wonder if I could find it for the intro music. Probably not in the time period, but... I mean, I can try to get it to you if you want something... <laughs> I've done that. I've edited songs for things and everything, so I can probably, if I will look into that for you if you want. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next episode of our podcast is the anniversary of the start of the podcast. We're going to have two anniversaries going forward. It's whatever. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the anniversary episode, we are going to bring back Tem Lowe, who was one of the first guests. 
and he has picked another Scott Sigler book for us to read. Um, it is not in the Infected series. He did ask if we could do book two, and I said absolutely not, um, <laughs> because I still get grossed out by the first one. So <laughs> we are reading Earth Core, um, which just had a strange reprint. Uh, the author put it out years ago. We'll talk about it more next episode, but... Um, if you have an old copy of it, we're not reading that one. We're reading the new one. So, um, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you caught the bug. You seemed very at yes. ease. So. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie gave me a look. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um. Yes. So, um, my friend George and I, um, we had been very slowly probably because of me working on uh, a show um it is this is not going to change because we have a twitter already and it's a good name um it's gonna it's called the citadel podcast it is a mass effect podcast where we'll, we we will be playing through all the mass effect video games um and uh the uh twitter for that is the citadel pod and um uh my personal twitter is c e-h-a-y-e-s and george the co-host for the podcast is george francor and this is a french name so i'm going to spell it <laughs> f-r-a-n-c-o-e-u-r he picked a hard one um he picked yes. <laughs> he picked his own name <laughs> yes it's a... um so so yeah i don't know when that's going to be ready um i'm still playing the first game and it is so hard for me to go back to this game from 2007 <laughs> that I've never played before. Um, but yeah, that's going to be at some point, hopefully soon. We actually might be recording something this upcoming. Actually, the day that this show is going to be up, I think George and I will be recording something. That'll be awesome. Because um, we talked earlier about that. So um, so yeah, and nice. uh, yeah, that's it. Well, when you guys get ready podcast. to release, we will post everywhere. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And no, Stephanie, no other podcast. No other podcast. No other podcast. How it is. No. I See, my problem is I come up with ideas, and then they're so big and hard, and then I don't do them. <laughs> How? The, How is it hard? The Fast and Furious one, is that's so much. That's not hard. It's a lot. <laughs> I think you're wrong. The I don't even know what this podcast idea is, but I think you're wrong. Well, Stephanie, you're also part of the introduction one. Yeah. When are we doing it? I suggested we record the thing about the craft, and then you didn't want it, and we didn't I do didn't, it. I did not want to. We just haven't done it. We need to do it. Okay. Let's do it tomorrow. Spoiler, I didn't like the craft that much. <laughs> awesome. So go ahead and plug this new podcast that by plugging it, hopefully it means it'll come out. Right. Stop shaking your head. Because I brought it up, uh, gosh, in the summer when um, yep. I was on with Liliana. <laughs> yep. And that was uh, that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Well, the second we're done recording this, we're going to go right into the craft. <laughs> no, I got to go to bed. <laughs> tomorrow. That's what tomorrow is for. Yeah, tomorrow. Well, again, yeah. thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Well, oh, are you reading anything else? Um, um go ahead. I am. I am. Are you? Go ahead, because I got to figure out well, the name of what I'm reading next. 
have a little pile of some graphic novels. Um, I pre-ordered Buffy Season 11, Volume 2. And I usually never pre-order stuff, but it came, and it's been sitting here for like a month now. (laughs) So that. Um, And then two Black Panther trades I bought from a friend, and then um, Moon Girl and the Devil Dinosaur, Volume 3. So I'm doing those. That's the next. That's. Those are happening. Yeah, my comicsology account got like 20 new books added to it. I was like, why do I keep doing this to myself? (laughs) It's not like I read everything already. Um, I am reading, uh, a friend of mine self-published a book uh, earlier this month, if not late last month. It is called A Step Beyond Context. Um, The author is my friend Finn Cullen. And uh, it is... A, from what I understand, a spy novel back in Regency time or Victorian time. Okay. Um, so I am incredibly excited to read that. Um, and it has been put on hold because when Fabulous restarts, there's a lot of reading between the two podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading imagine. something for fun. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I've done a lot of audiobooks this month because. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where can people find us? So people can find us on Instagram, Twitter at JBC podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. Yes. Perfect. Oh, that's like a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks for listening and keep supporting your local libraries. Woo.